but you got to come in, you got to work hard, and, and that was kind of the the same thing with that whole group of kids. You know, they were they were really good athletes, um, but they they did the work to get to that point that uh, led us to that led us to Marshall. They 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 put the work in. They uh, they, they they were really together group, uh, real tight group, and uh, just a tremendously tough group of, of people. Welcome to Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, I am Ryan Tutel, along with Colton Iwanas, and in this episode, we are happy to have a conversation with the man who was the offensive coordinator for the Montana Grizzlies in that 1995 season, McDenehy. Before he was a coach at the University of Montana, McDenehy played for the Grizzlies in 1971 and 72, including earning first-team All-Big Sky Conference honors as a safety in that 72 season. His coaching career began at Montana Western. He was a head coach there from 1988 until 1990, when he was then asked to come on to Don Reed's staff as the offensive coordinator, which he accepted from 1991 through 1995. He and Coach Reed combined to create a prolific and innovative offense, which certainly broke ground into the future of offensive football. Following that 95 season and Coach Reed's retirement, McDenahy took over as the head coach for the Montana Grizzlies, where he was for four seasons, including leading the Grizzlies back to the national championship game a season later in 1996. Following the 1999 season, he left for Utah State, where he was the head coach for five seasons of the Aggies. McDenahy was born in Butte, Montana on June 13, 1950, and it has come full circle as he resides in the mining city once again. Please enjoy this episode of Grizz Greats with the offensive coordinator, the Montana Grizzly National Championship team in 1995, McDenahy. Coach Dennehy, thank you so much for being with us. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. It's my pleasure to be with you. Now, I got to ask you this to start. Where are you? Are you back in Butte or are you around the, around the country somewhere? What are you up to? Well, my wife and I, uh, after the Utah State gig, uh, we, we had a place at the Canyon Ferry, and, and it was a little bit of heaven. And uh, She was working at a nonprofit in, in Helena, and uh, lo and behold, one day she decides to tell me she's going to retire and she doesn't want to live at the lake anymore it's too darn quiet so uh she said well we're gonna move into town i said we're not gonna move into helena and she said well let's move to butte (laughs) so anyway here we are 46 years later i guess it's 50 now um we're back at the old mining camp where we started yeah it's pretty good that's pretty cool well coach one of the i've always had a, a special reverence for butte you know my my mom's family traces back there gamers shoe store gamers cafe that's that's my mom's mother's side of the family so i always love going and visiting historic butte but i've i've thought it was fascinating in all my studies and coverage of the big sky conference over the last 15 years just studying how so many roads throughout the big sky throughout montana montana state but also throughout all college football lead 
back to Butte. I mean, the other, I mean, just last year, Sam Jankovic passes away, and and just the the impact he had on college football is so awesome to remember. But you trace those coaching trees back, you know, from guys like you know Jiggs Dahlberg all the way through Jim Sweeney, Sonny Holland, Sonny Lubick, and then yourself, Mick Delaney. What is there something you can put your finger on? I mean, the Butte roots seem to they seem to help cultivate such great coaches. Where does that come from? Is there anything you can point to? Well, I, I don't know if it has anything to do with great coaches, but I, I think that, you know, growing up in Butte, you know, playing games was so important. All we did is played games. Uh, you know, if it was football season, we played uh, we played out in the, the lots, and if it was basketball season, we shoveled off the the courts and, and – uh, um, if it was the summertime, we played baseball all day long. That's all we did, and and I think we all we all grew up uh, in in a time like that. Now it's it's a lot different in this day and age. Uh, kids don't seem to care to go out and play, uh, you know, as much anymore. But uh, I think that had a lot to do with it. Just uh, just the the times that we grew up in, and and. Uh, um, the neighborhoods that we grew up in, uh, golly, you know, the three houses, my house and the house next to us uh, on each side, there were 24 children and, and, uh, we had teams. I mean, it was, it was kind of a unique deal, but, uh, yeah, we, we just played and, and, and mom's kicked you out the door at eight in the morning and told you to be home for lunch if you were hungry, but you better not miss dinner. <laughs> and that's, that's about how it was guys. When you were, did you, did you go to high or Butte central? Well, I, I was, I grew up in Centerville up on the hill and, and, uh, went to grade school at, uh, the parochial school up there, St. Lawrence or tool. And then, uh, I was really, a I was really a fan, um, you know, of, of of watching Butte High play, um, my dad went to play, you know, he played basketball Butte Central, and, and uh, but I, I was really, really enamored with uh, the uh, with the Butte High Bulldogs and you know uh, Sweet Dahlberg. I I had the good fortune of being on his uh, last state championship um, track team and. And, uh, you know, Sam Jankovic was the head football coach at Butte High, and, and uh, Sonny Lubick was my uh, – he, he coached me as a freshman basketball player and coached uh, he coached secondary when I was going through there and all those kind of things. So I, I guess to, get, to make a, a short answer long, uh, you know, I, I just I – just, grew up watching Butte High sports and, and and it was really important to be a part of that. And then when you're making your decision for, for your college choice, a lot of Butte ties in Montana State with Jim Sweeney and then into Sonny Holland, but you choose to come to Montana to play for Jack's Worth out. What was that decision like and what do you remember about just the Grizz football program during that time, late 60s, early 1970s? Well, I think that if you if you look at the history of Butte athletes and and uh, the the Montana Grizzlies and the Montana State Bobcats, it's 
it's always been pretty cyclical as far as uh, you've got a generation or so of kids that'll that'll go um, east of Butte, and then you've got a generation or so of kids that'll go west. And and uh, I um, had an opportunity to to go to both places, and and uh, you know there there were a there, there were actually at that point in time more more butte kids uh, going going over to the cats and there were the grizzlies. But uh, Rick Sparks was a really good friend of mine, and and then uh, uh, he was playing there at that time, and and then uh, I decided that that's where I wanted to go, and and uh, I don't, it's, I'm sure that it's not because I decided to go there, but. Uh, Kind of turned the tide a little bit for quite a few years, uh, as far as Butte kids going to going to Missoula. Yes, it's so interesting because your geographic location in Butte also is sort of metaphorical for you, the amount of time you've spent in both places and or have ties to. Obviously, you played at Montana, had a great career for the Grizzlies, but then you were on Sonny Lubick's staff at Montana State. You find yourself as a head coach at Western, where you coach Jeff Choate, not knowing, of course, at that time that 20 years, 25 years hence, he's going to be the head coach at Montana State. And then you are then on the staff at Montana, the head coach at the, Mont- at the University of Montana. When you look at the rivalry, the schools, and all of that, you – you you see it maybe more uh, up close from both sides than anybody else. What do you what comes to mind when you think cat grizz football in the state of Montana? Well, I, you know, obviously it's uh, it's a it's a pretty damn important uh, date every fall. Um, you you, you kind of pencil that in, and and uh, you do all of uh, uh, you, you do everything that you do um, leading up to from game one through that ball game is, uh, uh, is, is pointed to that. Um, you know, it's, I, I think the one thing that when we were at Montana um, and, it, and it started with Don, Don Reed, um, you know, it, it was a big deal, but, we never made it a big deal until until that week, and uh, then it was a special week. It was a different week than any any of the others in terms of our preparation. Um, not that we spent any more or any less time getting ready for them, but uh, you know, we we just did some some special things that week in terms of uh, you know bringing former players and coaches in that it that had been part of the game and, and uh, letting them explain to the, the kids who were there getting ready to play how important it was to them and why it was important and, and uh, you know, all of those kind of things. And it's a, it's a unique deal. Um, you know, I, uh, it, it was, I'll be, I'll be real honest with you. It was, it was really a weird kind of deal for me uh, going from Missoula over there. And, uh, you know, Sonny Lubick was the head coach at that point in time. And, and uh, just, I, I absolutely loved playing for Sonny and, and I loved working for him, but it was, it was pretty strange uh, going, going or, you know, playing in Missoula and then, and then going over there and coaching and coaching. And, you know, I, I felt like, uh, uh, 
you know, it may have just been me, but I don't think so. Um, there were <laughs> just in the back of your head, you know, you just felt like you were a black sheep. <laughs> and anyway, it was, you know, I had coached with a bunch of really good guys. Uh, we had great staff and, you know, learned a lot of football. Um, and, and I really appreciated the opportunity to, to get into college coaching at, at that point in time. But, uh, you know, it was fairly short-lived, and, and uh, my experience in Missoula to go back there and to, you know, play, to have played there, have an opportunity to get an education, and, and uh, to go back there as an assistant, and, and, and to finally become the head coach was uh, really, really a special time uh, for me and I, and my family as well. We all loved Missoula and uh, had a, just an unbelievable experience there. But to get back to the game, it's it's unique. Uh, I, I I don't think I I'd be too far off base, you know, relatively speaking that. Uh, it's as it's as intense and, and fine a rivalry as there is in the country. Sometimes I think it's it gets a little bit overblown in terms of uh, I don't know if you should use the word hatred, but there's certainly uh, a, a bit of that involved uh, on both sides, and uh, it's it's pretty heated. You know Blackfoot Communications for our dedication and commitment to supporting the communities we serve. Did you also know we're experts at keeping customers and businesses connected to their families and clients? At home, Blackfoot keeps you connected with fast internet, reliable phone, and work-from-home options. For your business, Blackfoot keeps you connected with secure corporate networks, unified communications, and remote workforce solutions. For more information, visit grizzgreats.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. Well, Coach, we'll get into your time at the University of Montana, but I want to ask you one last question about that that early era in, in Bozeman. I know you're only there for the two seasons, but um, one of the most interesting teams that I've had the chance to archive and write the history of is the 1984 Bobcats, and it seems to me so much of that came from the great classes you guys were able to recruit several years earlier, particularly the Montana kids, 1980, 1981, a bunch of great Montana kids that then went on to become All-American caliber players and lead that Bobcat team in 1984 in the national title. So we remember back, I mean, did you see the potential of some of those guys when they were coming in? And do you guys take a little bit of pride, even though it was sort of an unceremonious departure for Sonny Lubick at Montana State, uh, just in the fact that you guys kind of did set the table for that last great Montana State National Championship run? Well, I I think if you talk to um, any of us uh, who have spent any time at all with kids and coaching at, uh, you know, yeah, I think in the, I think it, it was really important for all of us to, um, you know, leave it better than we found it. And uh, recruiting is, is probably the, the biggest thing in regards to being able to do that. And, and I, I think we knew that, that we had a real special group of, young players coming in you know i think the thing that got us is that uh for two years the two years i was there we we just got beat up so bad up front that we lost we lost some really really good older offensive linemen and ended up having to play with some really young kids uh 
and in some cases probably weren't ready to even play. Probably would have should have redshirted and that kind of thing. But uh, anyway, it all ends up it all ends up just fine. You know, we all ended up better than we were there as a result of uh, moving on down the road. They ended up uh, as national champions and. And, uh, you know, it's just, that's, that's all part of the, that's all part of college football. But, uh, yeah, we, we knew we had a special group there and, and, uh, they certainly were, they, it was a, a great group of Montana kids. Well, coach, we fast forward a decade and you find yourself the head coach at Montana Western and, you know, at some stage you, uh, you take the job to, to, to come on to coach Reed's staff and I'm interested to know what when did you first land on his radar or he land on your radar and what was the the process like that you said yeah okay I want to go uh, go back to my alma mater and be on be on this staff and 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 uh, be part of this offense. Well, it's kind of funny, um, you know. I uh, when I was at Western, um, the, our our. Uh, recruiting requirements were, were a little bit different than, than they are at the, the bigger schools. And, you know, we could go to football games and we could go to, uh, I was actually at the state wrestling tournament Billings and, uh, sitting there BSing with a bunch of old buddies and, you know, looking at some of the kids we were trying to recruit and, and that kind of thing. I got a, uh, call on the, uh, uh, PA system that I uh, had a uh, had a telephone call. So actually, uh, Jerome <laughs> Sowers and Rob, Robin Flugrad were on the phone, and and I think to answer your question, part of the reason why that all came about was that um, you know part of our off season uh, is is uh, always trying to do some in-service in terms of, uh, you know, going to somewhere and learning the game. And, you know, at the, at the university level, we'd go to the, we'd go to a spring ball somewhere, or we'd go to the Seattle Seahawks camp or, or whatever and spend time, you know, we'd, we'd bring a, a professional coach in to, to um, clinic the staff and stuff like that. Well, at Western, we didn't have the money to do that. So we, as a staff, spent a lot of time at the University of Montana, um, you know, learning, uh, you know, Tommy Lee uh, was there. And, and uh, we, were, we were essentially at Western doing a lot of the same things in terms of uh, the passing game and the screen game and things like that, that, uh, that they were doing at the University of Montana because we basically stole it from them or borrowed it, I guess would be a better term. But uh, I had spent so much time down there that, that I, I think Don just felt maybe I was a part of the staff already. Uh, you know, I, if I had questions, I, I was always on the phone and, and that kind of thing. And, and so it was, um, it was a real easy thing for me. I don't know how easy it was for them, but it was easy for me because um, you know, I knew the, I knew this a lot about the system and, and all of those kind of things. And, and obviously, uh, being an alum from there, uh, it was, it was nice to go back and, and, uh, to, to be able to give back a little bit as well. So that's kind of how that all unfolded. Don Reed, 
his offensive acumen and, and the respect he had in the college game, even when you first joined his staff, was already well-renowned and already well-established. How much did what Montana was doing offensively when you first joined the staff in 1991 align with what you had? Because you said you'd been similar, you know, that you'd, you'd been familiar with some of what Tommy Lee had been doing as the OC and Coach Reed and things like that. But how much did it align with what your philosophies had been previously in your coaching career? Well, a lot. I mean, almost all of it. Um, you know, our, our, with the exception of, of – uh, some of their five and seven step drop game. Our three step drop game was exactly the same. Our terminology was the same. Our screen game was exactly the same. You know, our running game um, was a little bit more comprehensive. You know, I can remember when I went there, we had to, we, to Montana, we had five running plays, and it was dive right and dive left and FO right and FO left. And, <laughs> and option right and option left and sweep right and sweep left and you know we brought a little a little bit of a numbering system and, and made it a uh, you know a little bit more comprehensive but uh, you know we we did pretty much the same thing um, and it didn't change at all uh, really at, until after about my first year as the head coach there and and, uh, you know, we made a commitment then. I mean, we'd, we'd be ahead by two or three touchdowns late in the game, and and uh, we wouldn't be able to run the ball. I couldn't run the ball very well. And, and so we made a commitment to to um, to run the football better. And uh, we, we to, to become a little bit more balanced, I guess, is, is – uh, and, and that was kind of where we ended is, is – you know that when we did that that first year, Johansi Humphrey set school record, school rushing record. Uh, Bob Bob Colk, I hired him, brought him in from Portland State, and and we became a better running team. And I guess that that was kind of the I don't know what you'd call it the the that's how it evolved. Um, but to to go back to my my five years there as the as a coordinator you know we 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 were a passing team we that's what we were going to do that's what we made our living on and first and ten but then third and ten there was no difference we're going to throw the ball anyway and uh so anyway that's that's kind of how that all came about being the offensive coordinator underneath an offensive minded coach like coach reed what was that dynamic like Oh, you know, Don. Don let us coach. I, I really, I really appreciated that uh, about Coach Reed. He, uh, you know, he, he let us do our thing. You know, he get a little wound up on on Friday nights and Saturday a little bit, but uh, you know, he he let us work and and I really appreciated that about him. And and uh, you know, I I think that 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 was important to me uh, as as. And I learned that from him, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, when I became a head coach, I, I try not to look over everybody's shoulder and, and uh, micromanage uh, and, and that kind of thing. And, and that's, that, I think that's the biggest thing uh, in, in working for Don that I learned and appreciated was, was the fact that, uh, you know, he let us coach and, 
you know, if things went wrong, uh, you know, he, he assumed responsibility and, and, uh, um, you know, it was, it was a really nice, nice situation there in, in, in those terms. And, and, uh, you know, we had a nice product going, we, we had the, had the new campus, uh, facility and, and all of those kind of things that, uh, I think allowed us to, uh, make a run. Uh, we, we had, we had such a good run of, uh, players, uh, and, and, Basically, we had our pick from the Montana kids. Everybody wanted to go to Montana during that era, and uh, you know we got we got damn near everybody we wanted uh, for a long, long time there. And uh, I think that was probably the basis for our success in terms of not only winning football games, but uh, um, you know filling the stadium uh, and, and and. adding on to the stadium and, and all of those kind of things. Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, is sponsored by First Security Bank and Coulter. While First Security has long been a supporter of the University of Montana and UM Athletics, people might be surprised to know how much First Security Bank, in fact, influenced the University of Montana program and the path they were on directly. Back in 1993, the Grizz were on their way to their second ever berth in the Division One AA playoffs. Previously, in 1989, the only other time Montana had made it to the Division One AA playoffs, and at that time, first round home games awarded via a bidding process. And so, to help support the Grizz football team as well as fortify the faith throughout the community of Missoula, Bill Boucher, former president of First Security Bank, stepped up to the table to help the University of Montana guarantee any potential revenue lost for the first round of the play. Playoffs, and of course, that was recouped in a big way as the University of Montana in 1993 then started the first of 17 straight playoff berths. And in 1995, that local optimism was turned into national prominence as Montana made a run all the way to the 1995 national championship. First Security Bank is proud to sponsor Grizz Greats and this 25 part podcast series commemorating the silver anniversary of the 1995 national champions for Security Bank a proud supporter of Grizz Athletics and the University of Montana. Coach, coming into the 95 season, uh, Montana had really built the program uh, considerably into a a significant and a national power. I mean, I think the third round of the playoffs the year before, and that's even with, you know, Dave Dickinson getting injured and so on. You obviously – lose Scott Gregg to graduation, but you have, it turns out, three All-Americans on your offensive line, which I know we'll, we'll touch on in a minute. But when, during the course of that 95 season, did you feel like yeah, – th- I'm sure you knew you had a good team going into the year, but when did you feel like, hey, this is a special group, this is really a team that, that really might have a look at this? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd go back to 1990 three on that one you know we we had uh we went into the season you know kind of up in the air as to who our quarterback was going to be and and uh you know we open up with south dakota state and we're getting our butt kicked we're down by 32 points with about five minutes to go in the third quarter thinking what the hell is going on here and you know, people are tearing their tickets up and leaving the stadium at halftime and all of that kind of thing. And, and a little redheaded kid from Great Falls kind of uh, took it upon himself to uh, 
Yeah, and we needed our, our defense helped us in that game. I mean, we we had to score a lot of touchdowns. We couldn't do it all on offense, and and uh, you know that game we came back and beat them with a few seconds to go on the clock. I think it was fifty-two to forty-eight or something like that. But anyway, um, I think we knew we had something special uh, at that at that point in time in uh, not only. Um, a real special quarterback that was young, but a lot of really young player. You you alluded to, you know, our, we I started two freshman offensive linemen uh, that year, and uh, and we had a we had a bunch of them, and uh, we, we knew we were going to be really really good. It was, it's a shame that we we lost David at Boise the next year because I I really feel like we probably would have been back to that game. I don't know if we'd have won it or not, but I think we'd have been back back to it. Um, and uh, anyway, long story short, uh, we, we felt, I don't think anybody uh, would be stupid enough to say we, we knew going in that we were going to win the thing. But I think we all knew that if we didn't get a bunch of injuries and, and that kind of thing that we had a chance to. And uh, that's, that's kind of what happened. We, we didn't get a lot of kids hurt that year. Um, you know, and the kids that we did get hurt were back um, basically for that. And, and uh, you know, we, we were very fortunate in, in that regard. When you have a player like Dave Dickinson and, and his announcement to the world, like you said, and that South Dakota State game and then the following week against Oregon and then the way he was able to just carry that momentum for through literally three straight years. When you have a player like that, that just a guy that is so skilled, but also such a great competitor who who thrives off of chaos sometimes, thrives off of unbridled enthusiasm. How do you manage somebody like that? Because you don't want to rein them in too much. You want to let them roll. But I mean, how how when did you guys realize just how special of a player Dave Dickinson was, and how did you manage just the talent that he had? Well, I I, I would I would say this i i'd go back to 1992 when he was a true freshman um when you know our 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 last scrimmage leading up to our first game of the year um you know we basically had our starters playing our 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 younger players and david dickinson he he actually and I'll never forget this. We're practicing in the stadium, and and uh, he's moving a bunch of freshmen who who'd only been on campus for three weeks down, up and down the field like uh, uh, like it was really really easy for him. And I know Jerome was pulling his hair out, uh, saying, "Holy Christ!" And coming in a trap. What what are we we what, what are we going to do here? This this guy doesn't even know how to tie his shoes and put his uniform on yet. And I said, well, it's, you know, he's pretty good, but, you know, uh, you know, looking back at it, he very well could have been a four-year starter. And, and, uh, you know, I don't, uh, yeah, Brad had a, Brad Lebel was our quarterback and he was a senior and he was a great kid and he was a great player and he deserved to be there. Um, but I'll tell you what, that the year that, uh, Dickinson redshirted was, he, he was, he could, he could have, he could have done some special things as a freshman, let alone, you know, a sophomore. 
when you go into the postseason of that 95 year, you get the home game. It turns out you get another home game. And then with a bit of a surprise and an upset in, in the other quarterfinal, you end up with a third home game in Missoula. And I believe if I got it right, you scored one million points in those three games combined. Uh, Coach, this is impressive uh, offensive coordinating by you, I might say. But with the ease with which you won those three games, allowing just 14 points in the three of them, but then going in what turned out to be a road game in, you know, a home game for Marshall, even though it was the, you know, the, the quote unquote neutral site turned out they made it into the thing anyway. What was the change in dynamic to go from those three games at home where you just rolled through in Missoula to then go in front of 30,000 hostile fans? I know a bunch of Grizz fans made the long trip as well, but certainly that was a heavily, heavily, heavily thundering herd favoring crowd that you got to go play in front of. And And a game that was, by Montana standards, very low scoring, very grinded out, and not necessarily the style of football in, in certain ways that, that you were accustomed to playing. Well, that's, you know, that's a, that's a good question, and I'll answer it uh, kind of, uh, you know, two-phased. Number one, mention luck. You know, basically you, the, in, the, in the opening round of the playoffs, the team that, that bid the highest got the, got the game, and, and uh, you know, we had some businessmen downtown that made sure that they bid, that, that, we, uh, that we got the bid, and, and then, uh, you know, after that, teams that were seated higher than us got beat. So we ended up, uh, we ended up kind of inheriting, uh, you know, those next two games uh, as a result of, uh, you know, Lady Luck or what have you. The, it's a football is a crazy game, uh, but having three home games and having teams particularly come up to Missoula, Montana from uh, places uh, that, the, that the weather's a little bit warmer in particular uh, makes a huge difference. I mean, you talk about home field advantage. There's nothing like, uh, you know, somebody coming up and playing uh, when, it's, when it's zero degrees, when down at their, their place at 70. And that, that, had, that had something to do with it. Uh, and... But our, our kids were our, our kids were good enough to have gone to uh, Appalachian State if if we'd had to go there we we kind of had plans uh, you know to go to wherever the hell North Carolina or wherever Appalachian State is <laughs> but it just it just happened that uh, it's it just happened the way that's just how it unfolded and and uh, anyway. Um, you know, when we went to when we went to Marshall, we we felt we felt really good about it, and and uh, you know, I, our kids were ready to play. I'll I'll never forget. Uh, I, I thought we were gonna I thought we were gonna have to separate them in a brawl at at the little banquet they have there. You know, they had uh, us and Marshall at the same place the night before the game, and and. Uh, some of their kids just kind of made some statements that that pissed our kids off to the point where I I thought Johansi was was going to jump in the middle of them and I thought we were going to have a, a a hell of a to do on our hands but anyway uh, you know it it all comes out in the wash and our kids were ready to play um, you know we you know I actually 
um, I didn't see the game until it was it was on TV about a month or two ago, and and uh, that's the first time I've seen it. I I left uh, as soon as we got back. I saw Ben in a guy's home up in Kalispell that uh, uh, that we were recruiting. That that uh, he was up there the the night of the game, and so we got back, and I made it a point of of leaving. We missed our function at the field house and all of that kind of stuff because I had to go up to Leif Thorson's house and I didn't have to, but I felt like it was necessary. It was a kid that we really wanted. And, and, uh, so anyway, um, back to the game, our kids were ready to play and, and, uh, you know, it was something I, I just don't feel like, uh, that they could, that, that they could be denied in that thing. Um, and we didn't play all that good either, to be honest with you. I, you know, we, uh, they were they were a heck of a football team. Um, you know, they they chased David Dickinson around all day long, and and uh, you know, I think I think his will to get the ball in the end zone uh, was was just unbelievable, and and in the second half. Uh, just made some outstanding, outstanding plays, and our receivers played extremely well. And, and uh, you know, kind of the unsung heroes. Uh, they they were an outstanding offensive team, and, and we just played lights out defensively. Uh, it was a great team win. It really was. You know Blackfoot Communications for our dedication and commitment to supporting the communities we serve. Did you also know we're experts at keeping customers and businesses connected to their families and clients? At home, Blackfoot keeps you connected with fast internet, reliable phone, and work-from-home options. For your business, Blackfoot keeps you connected with secure corporate networks, unified communications, and remote workforce solutions. For more information, visit grizzgreats.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. Reading up on that Marshall team coming into that game, they had such great players across the board, but uh, a really fearsome defensive front. And so much is made of, of Dave Dickinson and his magic throughout that entire playoff run, throughout his entire his career. But it seems to me that uh, the offensive line was certainly a huge part of the success for the duration of his career, but particularly that season, that playoff run, and that national championship game. I know you were working with the offensive line as well as your duties as the offensive coordinator. Just tell us a little bit about that group and what sort of impact they had on that national championship season. Well, I, I think that uh, I, I think that they were. It was an unbelievably great, great group of kids, great people, first of all, and uh, you know they were they were kids that uh, I remember. David Kempfert, uh, he he was our center. He was a, just kind of a skinny kid coming out of Hellgate and, and, uh, you know, came in on a partial scholarship and, and I can remember sitting in his home and his brother was the center for our basketball team and, you know, just sitting there with him and his dad, Al, and, you know, not knowing whether he was going to grow up taller or get a little bit wider and, and, uh, you know, told him that, you know, if you he was about 230 uh, coming out of high school. I said, if you can get to 255 or 260 by the time spring practice is over, I'll guarantee you a full scholarship. But uh, you got to come in and you got to work hard. And, and that was kind of the, the same thing with that whole group of kids. You know, they were, they were really good athletes. Um, but 
they they did the work to get to that point that uh, led us to um, that led us to Marshall. They 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 put the work in. They uh, they 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 were a really together group, uh, real tight group, and uh, just a tremendously tough group of of people. And uh, they did a good job. Uh, you know we I think. I think for a, 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 a long time in the Big Sky Conference, the University of Montana was probably uh, as well thought of uh, as a as an offensive line as as any place in in the in the country, really. And uh, you know, we we just had some great kids, and uh, we had some great leadership. And in, in David and in our wide receivers were, you know, they we had some some big guys and we had some we always had that little guy like Matt Wells or Shalom Baker or uh you know that that kind of kid too but uh you know we we were we we got spoiled as far as having quality quality big kids up front um you know we had some good quarterbacks come through there you know again kind of led by David and then and then um you know, Brian took off uh, after him, and and Drew Miller, and, and and those kind of things. But you know, those guys can't do what what you're trying to get done without those guys up front. And we we were we were really really fortunate to have great kids. How did the dynamic work for a team that was throwing the ball as much as you guys? I mean, more than 400 yards a game, which even now is an amazing number, but 25 years ago, uh, eye-popping to be sure. Um, but recruiting mostly guys from Montana to play on the offensive line that are coming from systems where they probably aren't doing a bunch of that stuff. So what was that dynamic like where you're developing guys to, to run this spread-style system when most of I mean, Eric Simonson's from Plentywood, Mike Agee from Kalispell, Dave Kemper from Missoula. I mean, these guys are Montana guys. So what's that dynamic like when you were making those two factors? mesh well i think you look at you know when you when you evaluate them you look at their feet and you look at their potential size and and uh you know the 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 kicker is always sitting down looking looking at them eyeball to eyeball and and seeing you know what they think and and what they're made of and and uh you know all of those kind of things and and uh, then you you know you bring them in and and uh you teach them how to get the stance and and, and be a pass protector rather than than primary uh, primarily a run blocker and if they're good enough athletes and 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 those kids that you mentioned certainly are um you know and you could go on and on and on uh even beyond them um you know to the Thorsonsons and uh, the um, Curries from Valier, and then that's a story we could talk about for a long time and recruiting him. But uh, we just, you know, the the, the Kalispell kid. Uh, oh God, uh, Dylan McFarland, black and orange. Hey, Dylan McFarland, yeah. How can I forget that? What a great kitty. But they were all. They were all skinny little guys that were just tougher than hell and, and uh, loved to play. And, and uh, um, you know, I, I think that was uh, we, that was one of the things that we looked upon as being real fortunate that, uh, 
you know, we we didn't have to go very far to find really, really good kids that, that loved to play football uh, and and uh, developed into outstanding offensive linemen. Coulter, in 1993, the Grizz football team was looking to host its first playoff game of the decade and just its second season of playoffs in school history. As we know, you got to have some financial backing to guarantee a home game, and former First Security Bank President Bill Boucher stepped up, spearheading a group of local business owners to guarantee that bid for UM Athletics, and that commitment from First Security Bank to UM has never wavered. Bill Boucher, Gordy Fix, Several other business owners around the city of Missoula certainly had a huge influence in stepping up. Certainly some of the first true believers in what Grizz football could become and what they could mean to the Missoula community. Two years later, in 1995, the University of Montana had turned that local optimism into national prominence. The Grizz won the Division I AA National Championship, the first national title in the history of the university. And 25 years later, First Security Bank is still proud to sponsor the Grizzlies. First Security Bank, a presenting sponsor for Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, a 25-part podcast series remembering that epic 1995 season. First Security Bank, proud sponsor of Grizz Athletics and the University of Montana. Coach, I'm interested about the transition because, as we know, that that national championship game was Don Reed's last game as the head coach at the University of Montana, and he retires, and uh, and you get tabbed to take over and become the head coach. And in 1996, you go right back again for the second straight year to the national championship game. But coming into this season, Dave Dickinson, you know, obviously has graduated. And you got, you know, a new head coach and yourself who's obviously familiar with the system. Now, I'm sure you knew that Brian Ayak had a chance to be pretty good. But did you feel a, a sense of pressure? Was it a sense of excitement? What was it like to take over for a team that had just won a national championship? And now all of a sudden, the fervor for the team is sky high, but maybe so are some expectations as well. Well, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. That wasn't the easiest job in America to take over, just in terms of, uh, you know, Don was so beloved, and, and uh, um, it was it was a real surprise that, uh, you know, in April he just kind of decided that uh, that he he was tired, and, and uh, you know, it wasn't going to get any better than uh, than than that, and so. Anyway, um, that's a tough question to answer. I would just say this in terms of uh, the kids that we had coming back uh, off of that national championship team uh, combined with the outstanding job that that our coaches did in recruiting. Um, we had some, you know, when Don left, uh, I'll be the first one to admit that the cupboard wasn't there. It was not there. It was stocked pretty darn good. The dynamic within the program, did you feel it shift? Because it seems, analyzing it from a 10,000-foot view, Montana was this school that was trying to arrive on the scene, You know, trying to establish itself as a big sky power, as the big sky had, had pretty recently at that time shifted into sort of a new look with the departure of Boise State and Idaho and, and Nevada. And, and Montana was this this team that tried to prove itself on a national level to be on par with Georgia Southern, Eastern Kentucky, and Youngstown State. But after winning that 1995 national championship, did you feel the dynamic shift within just in terms of the respect you guys had, the, the clout and the reputation you were able to garner nationally? 
Well, I, yeah, I don't think there was any doubt that at that point in time with, uh, you know, Boise leaving and, and Reno leaving and Idaho leaving that, uh, um, you know, we were, we were big fish in a small pond and, uh, you know, yeah, there, there were a lot of unknowns in terms of, uh, you know, the Sacramento States and the Cal Polys and, the uh, you know, the teams that, that, um, ended up, uh, taking the place of those long, long time members of the, the big sky conference. So from, from that aspect, the, the scene changed quite a bit and it, it changed from knowing that, um, how tough those games with Boise and Nevada and, in Idaho and, and, and all of those old kind of rivalry games were going to be to unknowns uh, as far as the new members of the conference. So, you know, I think we kind of inherited, uh, you know, the top dog uh, tag, so to speak. But uh, you still got to go out and you got to play every, every week and every game. And, uh, you know, we 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 really didn't change a whole lot in terms of our uh, model of preparation on a weekly basis, and uh, we just kind of kept on just kind of rolling along. What was the biggest difference you noticed the year after winning the national championship? Great team, stocked full. We'll go back to the national title game, but was there a difference in dynamic or anything you could notice just in terms of in the locker room or amongst the the chemistry of the team? No, I, not not really. I, I I think one of the one of the really neat things that 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 we had was we relied on our players an awful lot to to kind of uh, to, to our, our seniors in particular in terms of leadership and 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 dealing with you know some of the young egos coming in. Uh, you know, we, we didn't have to do a lot uh, in terms of, uh, in, in, uh, in what's the best way to say this? And I, I don't want to say babysitting, but, you know, sometimes college freshmen are, are, unique, are unique people in terms of they go from being the top dog for uh, their whole life and then all of a sudden uh, they're the ones carrying the seniors, shoulder pads to practice and and uh they're the blocking dummies and and all of those kind of things so you know that dynamic in itself i think our older kids did such an outstanding job of uh, making the freshmen know that that they had a place on their team but not doing it in, in in such a way that it it uh, it was a humiliation. Um, our, our kids did such a good job of that; it was unbelievable. And I think that that had an awful lot to do uh, year in and year out with um, the way we uh, the way we approached the season and the way we played. What sort of influence do you think that that first national championship run had did on what became one of the great runs in the history of college football? I mean, I think the 95 team was the third consecutive of what became 17 consecutive playoff bursts, the first national championship game, what became seven in 14 years. 
How much do you think that just laid the foundation for the success of Grizz football over the next 20 years? Well, I, I don't think there's any question that, uh, that that didn't have a lot to do with it. Um, you know, and, and, and once again, I would just, I would just say that, uh, you know, kudos, kudos to the players. Um, you know, they, they came in and every, they came in every August and, and, uh, um, for the most part, with the exception of the new kids, um, we just kind of picked up right where we left off, and that was our that was our goal, that was our aim, and and uh, f- you know from that standpoint, it was pretty easy, really. Well, Coach, I'll tell you what, we really appreciate you spending the time and, and being with us, recapping some of the history of, of, of yours professionally in the sport and also uh, specifically that 95 season, which was uh, such a very special one 25 years ago. McDenahy, thank you, Coach, so much for being with us. My pleasure, guys. I'd just like to say one other thing in terms of kind of what, was, what, what, what helped us get there, and uh, without a doubt, we – We had the greatest fans at our level in college football. Go Grizz! Thank you for listening to Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions. Our episode with Mick Dennehy was proudly presented by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, both fierce supporters of University of Montana Athletics and pivotal members of the Missoula community. Blackfoot Communications, helping you with all your needs for your home office, and First Security Bank of Missoula, one of the most trusted banks in naming in all the treasure state. Mick Dennehy, after that epic 1995 season, went on to become the head coach of the University of Montana. He was the head coach for the Grizzlies from 1996 until 1999. During that time, he posted a 14-1 record in 1996, leading Montana all the way back to the Division I AA National Championship game where they fell to Marshall. In 1997, 1998, and 1999, Montana made the uh, Division I AA playoffs but lost each of those three years in the first round. McDenny, three Big Sky Conference championships, a 39-12 record, including 27-5 in Big Sky competition before taking the head job at Utah State in 2000. Between 2000 and 2004, five total seasons. Dennehy posted a 19 and 37 record that included a 9 and 9 mark against conference competition. Utah State went from the Big West to an independent to the Sun Belt and in 2004, McDenny stepped away with an overall head coaching record of 68 and 62 and a total of nearly 30 years as a football coach. Stay tuned for more episodes of Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions and be sure to check in on our proud sponsors, Blackfoot Communications. You can find them at goblackfoot.com or for Security Bank of Missoula, you can find them at fsbmsla.com. For Ryan Tutel, I'm Coulter Nuanez, 1029E. ESPN Missoula.